So, so today's talk is going to be a continuation of what we started last week, which was a mini series on going to refuge. Um, the uh, today's one is going to be on uh, going to refuge in the Dharma, and as we learned last week, going to is also coming from or returning. It's uh, quite complicated. But what is dharma? Well, very, very loosely, it's just um, things, stuff. Uh, but it's not what we mean when we say to, we go to refuge and stuff and things. It's not at all. So the, the root of dharma is actually the Sanskrit word dur, which uh, is related to the Sanskrit root du. And du is milk. And um, Dur Dharma was a ver at very first a milk holder, a, a container for milk or a vessel <coughs> or a pot. It became a pot. It also soon became to mean not only just keeping things, like keeping things in a pot, but keeping things in memory. Um, are containing things within your mind. In the Rig Veda, which is about 1,500 years before the Buddha, uh, it had already become to be something that was established and steadfast, something that was supported. Um, the Buddha, uh, as he did with all everything in his culture at that time, redefined everything. So um, to the Buddha, he developed a new meaning for Dharma, and that has been expanded for 1,500 years after the Buddha. So um, not changing much now. And by the time that Dogen Zenji was in China, it was fully developed. So going back to the Sanskrit Dharma, um, it was originally a, a male, a Sanskrit gendered, so it was originally a male noun, but the Buddha actually made it a neuter noun, Dharma, Pali, and Pakrit, Dharma, same, same word. Um, at the time of the Buddha, and shortly afterwards, Dharma was uh, a law, practice, steadfast decree, statute, observance, conduct, and firm custom. That was something that was established, very much like the pot that held things. Uh, it also meant that you called in to the nature of things, uh, things as they were. Uh, and uh, by the time it got to China, it was pretty well that which has entity and bears its own attributes. So the Dharma of a cushion is uh, something soft we put on the floor and sit. That's its attributes. And when we see one, we have that after image in our mind. That's, that's the Dharma. Um, but it's also 
as I say, things and stuff very loosely and, and incorrectly, but still it's one way of thinking of it. Uh, it's a thing, it's also the idea and or the mental object of a thing. Uh, the, that part of a thing that we hold in our mind, it's that discourse. We see a iPhone and we immediately start a discourse in our mind. The iPhone is a communication device. Steve Jobs was really clever and rich and off it goes. But just the simple thing is the Dharma. The iPhone is the Dharma. Um, and, of course, Dharma became a religion. It's an adjective for religion. It just means religious. Um, and Buddha Dharma is what we would be interested in, and that's the Bupo in the today's talk, Bupo, Buddha Dharma. Um, Bupo is also described as uh, we've often heard in Soto as the 84,000 uh, Dharma gates. It can be a Dharma gate. Bupo, Ho, the law is the primary of the three treasures. Three treasures we heard last week, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. The primary one is Dharma, even though we start with Buddha. And that's because the Dharma hangs around. It's there. The Buddha died 2,550 years ago. Um, the Sangha were here. The Sangha eventually dies out as the law is forgotten, but the, the Buddha Dharma is permanent in that sense, in as far as anything can be permanent. So, um, when we speak of the Dharma, we think of the characteristics, when we think of the Buddha Dharma, we think of the characteristics of a thing in a more developed way. And what are those characteristics? It's impermanence, no abiding self, and uh, some degree of unsatisfactoriness, dukkha. Um, I, I actually don't like the word suffering. It's too overladen. But everything's somewhat unsatisfactory in as far as in the great scheme of time, this hill would disappear, let alone the, just the Zendo. I mean, we are sitting on what's the remnants of the Andes-sized mountains. Yeah. Everything is subject to change and in that way is unsatisfactory. But there are some things that give us joy, even if it's temporary joy. So that is also a characteristic that you think of when you think of Dukkha in a Buddhist sense. And we, we, at the end of each Sunday, we, uh, our services, we, we go to, we say, the three refuges, which are in Pali, Dhamam, Saranam, Gachami. Um, and last week we learned that that is to go to a, um, a sala, uh, a, a hut or a um, pavilion a place where you can get out the weather at the earliest meaning. 
they're somewhere safe. And for the Japanese, uh, if you translate the Japanese, namoki um, or ki is to return to um, the thing that you rely on. So it's um, like it, it's related to walking stick. It's something that you can lean on. But when it's shortly after the Buddha, hundred uh, years after the Buddha, they said, "Well, what do? We, how do we define the Dharma?" And they came up with a little phrase. So, Dharma, which is Dharma, uh, is the abbreviation for. And I will pick this up and read it because it's Pali and I had trouble. Otherwise, Swakato Bhagavata Dhamma Sanditiko Akaliko Ehi Pasiko Apanayako Pachatam Veditovo Vinu Hiti. And that translates roughly to well proclaimed by the Blessed One is the Dharma to be self realized, to be approached, to be seen capable of being entered upon, to be attained by the wise, each for themselves. And later, that in the Japanese, that became, as we know, Hinayana changed to Mahayana, but as I got to Japan, it was Jike-e-ho, Togan-shu-jo, Jin-yo-kyo-zo, Chi-e-nyo-kai. I take refuge in the Dharma. May all living sentient beings deeply enter the Sutra treasury into wisdom like an ocean. So when we say, whether you say it in the Japanese, Namo um, Kiho, or whether you say it in the Pali, it, it has a lot more. It's, it's just a little memory mnemonic that we can use to put with everything in uh, Buddhist teaching, it's simple, very simple, very complex. Um, so where do we go to look at looks for bupo? Where, when we're seeking bupo, where do we go? Where do we go? It is the immutable law that is in front of us all the time. So you can read it in the sutra, you can read it in books about the sutra, but that's only the after image. That's not the bupo itself. That's just words. Words can be like the finger pointing, and as Dogen said, the finger is the finger pointing at the moon is also the moon. So, um, but it's. Uh, I actually like what Ame introduced us to a while ago, the uh, old lady on Wu Taishan Koan. And when the master asked her, where is Wu Taishan? And Wu Taishan is, is actually also related to the Dharma. It is the Dharma. So she just said, simply straight ahead. So it is always in front of you. It is simply straight ahead. You can always find the Dharma everywhere you look. 
it's manifest. And it is manifest around you because everything we see is part of the Dharmakaya, one of the three aspects of the Buddha's body. And that is reality. That is the stuff. It is right in front of you. How you understand it, uh, that you need to be careful because stuff is not a refuge. The law is the refuge. The Buddha, Dharma is the refuge. So that is simply straight in front of you. It's obvious for everyone to see. You just have to open your eyes and see it. Yeah. Right in front. It's it's not not difficult, but we cover ourselves, we cover ourselves with wants, we cover ourselves with what what we think we need, we cover ourselves with robes, we cover ourselves endlessly. But it is crystal clear in front of you. How do you know if you're looking at it the right way? Well, you can get a hint. Does it lead to calming of the mind? Does it lead to virtuous action? Does it make you happy in the true sense of the word happy? Is it in accord with sila? We talked for weeks previous to this about sila. Does it accord with that? Does it feel right? Deep down inside your own Buddha nature can identify it to you what is right and what is wrong. That's not in front of you, that's within you. That's that awareness that we all have. And you can kid yourself, you know. You can always find an excuse for what you do. You can rationalize it. Oh. My BMW has top speed 175. I'm sure 110 is not, not dangerous. Well, it is illegal. So, you know, um, and deep down when you're driving 120 or whatever, back of your mind keeps saying, I hope there's not a cop around, <laughs> right? Because you know it's wrong. And it's you had that same internal sense of the Dharma. You know what is Dharma and what's not. So just as the old lady said, it's right in front of you. Continue straight ahead. I do better with questions. Now, so. <laughs> we got a lot on, on Zoom, welcome questions. Yeah. <laughs>